Welcome to Roman Cola for the soul, a non-judgmental community for people who are brave enough to keep it real. With your host, Cindy Felcool, a lady who loves to share stories and likes to laugh at her own jokes. Hi guys, thanks for listening. Before I get started with today's interview, I just wanted to share a little oops that I had. Before I interview guests, one of the things that I always try to do is ask them what they would like me to promote, something that they're working on, something that they think would be useful to my listeners or whatever. And just, I try to work that into the interview. And I did that with today's guest and realized I never went back and mentioned what she said until I got into the editing process. And I was like, oops, because I'm really not that great at thinking on my feet. And I get into a conversation with somebody and I just go where the conversation leads and it never led to um, what I told her I would promote. Anyway, what she told me about was this app called the Blue Letter Bible app, which is a Bible study tool, and it's available for Android users and iPhone users, and you can get it from Amazon or your Play Store. It's free, and I checked it out, and I love this app specifically because you can get on there and you can look up the meanings of words from Bible verses, you can look up the meaning of these words in the original Greek. And this is super cool because I've been obsessed with doing that for 15 years and I love what I learned from the original Greek versus the translations. When I did this in the past, I had to look up the verse in the King James Version and then find the word that I was looking for and get a little number from it and then go to the reference and look that up. And sometimes there were two or three different things. And now you can download this app and just click on it and boom, it's there instantly. And that's so crazy cool. And you guys should take advantage of it. One of the most awesome things that I have learned recently in looking up the words in the original Greek was when I was studying the book of Romans and I looked up the original ancient Greek meaning of the word that we have translated wrath. And what I found was in the original Greek, that word that they translated wrath actually included longing for a relationship with someone. And that's a much different picture than what we think of with wrath, because I always had this idea of God just being in heaven, longing, you know, just wanting to squish everybody that disagreed with him. And the original meaning is much more along the lines of how a parent feels when their child runs out in the road. It's this fear and longing to protect and it hurts the parent and it hurts the child and it's just this longing to come alongside them and and rescue them and you know there's anger there but it's not hate it's strong emotion coming from a deep love and that is an amazing beautiful picture of God that you might miss if you just read the word wrath and think nothing but pure anger. So anyway, I think that's super cool. Check out the Blue Letter Bible app. I will include a link in my show notes. And with that said, let's get started with today's interview. Today on Roman Color for the Soul, I have the pleasure of interviewing one of my friends from Tallahassee, Florida, and she believes in my podcast so much, she came all the way to Connecticut <laughs> just to be on my show. <laughs> so this is my friend, Christy Treadwell, and today I'm going to be talking to Christy about 
this thing I've already discussed several times of reading the Bible like an English teacher. And when Christy came to visit, she was talking about having a Bible study at her church in Florida and how much it has impacted people to to read the Bible for themselves and to understand what it means and be able to, like we call it being self-feeders, where you're not dependent on other people to tell you how to think, but you can read the Bible for yourself and apply it to your life. So we're going to just talk a little bit today about what that means and how it's a, how she sees this impacting people. So my first question for you, oh, and also I just want to say, I know that Christy and I don't always agree on everything, and she's really smart, so if you hear her say something and you're like, oh, but Cindy, you said something else, you should probably listen to her. (laughs) You should form your own opinion. That's what you should do. You should go research it using the Blue Letter Bible Lab, apparently. Okay, so the first question. Tell me about the class that you developed and how that came about and all that. Okay. Well, a friend of a mutual friend of ours, Robin, um, she had been doing the precepts Bible study for years, which is a very um, intentional Bible study where you study the words of the scripture and the context of the scripture and everything like that. But it is something that is um, kind of intimidating to most people to do it that way because you have to mark certain symbols in your Bible and, you know, everything like that. And so it was, it was a little too much for me. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) And so, um, but she really has a heart for people to study the Bible on their own, not to just go listen to a pastor or a Bible, you know, a Bible study leader, and then just take away what they said and their opinions and to just say, oh, well, that's what I believe too. But to really study the Bible in a different way, to to take a passage of scripture and really look at it in context of the time it was written in, of who wrote it and what their background is and um and then to, to look at it, to like create an outline of the passage and to, um, to study it in a way, not just to say, what does this say to me? Because that's what most of us, when we read the Bible, we think of that. What does it say to me? But what does this say about God and how God relates to me and who God is to me? And so, um, so she was just talking about that. And we had done several Bible studies that other people had written for years and years. And I mean, I don't know how many countless Bible studies Robin and I have done together over the past 22, 23 years. But I said, why don't we just really like study the Bible? Don't have a Bible study book, just print out scripture and write on it and and study it and look at what the words mean and do it like that. And so she um, has an English background. And so she was really interested in doing that. And so she she says we co-lead, but really she's the leader. <laughs> and I just answer if no one else said, and no one else has anything to say and, and kind of, um, you know, do extra things. But she, she is really the, the, um, one who's the English teacher. Of, yeah. So of what the I, that's what I'm yes. hearing from this is you definitely <laughs> want to go find an English teacher if you really want to know what the Bible says. No, she doesn't <laughs> tell us what it says. She just helps us well, learn how to, you how to, they tell you how yeah. to study it. Yeah. <laughs> An English teacher will show you how you should study the Bible. Yes. <laughs> Did you have anything else to say about that? <laughs> okay. So 
you kind of already covered this a little bit, but how would you say that is different from other Bible studies? Okay. So what we do is we take a passage of scripture. Like right now we're doing um, the book of 1 John. And first we do the kind of who, what, when, where, and, you know, look at the time period that it was written in, look at um, who wrote it and what his background is, what John's background is, and then, um, you know, who he was writing to, to see the context of how he's writing it. And, and particularly in First John, he's writing to, to people who are fo- following Christ, you know, the new church, the new Christian church after Christ's death and resurrection. And so it's really interesting because the way we do it is much like an English class. And um, I wasn't always that interested in English, but when the topic is interesting, then it makes doing it the right way interesting. So like we start with the passage of scripture, we make an out, read through it, make an outline, just like you would if you were reading something in English and having to do an essay on it or having to study for you know a test to get the key points. You do an outline, you circle the keywords, you um, look up the meaning of the keywords, things like that. That's how we actually study it. And then it gives you a better idea of really what it says, not just what you think it says, but when you actually study it instead of just reading it. Reading it is totally different from studying it. You know, starting your time in prayer and saying, God, what does this say about you? And how do you relate to me? And how, how does this change me? So what did you learn specifically maybe that you had never heard about First John when you read it this way? Okay. Well, what I really learned was what was going on in the, in the time period that he wrote this and that there were other religious leaders and people who claimed to even be Christians that were kind of making things up on their own and not following what Jesus had actually said. And they were trying to tell other believers to believe the same way as them. And so, you know, when you read it, you think, oh yeah, this is good. You know, he says, love one another and things like that, which we all know, but getting into it and, and the warnings that he gave, that John gave to Christians, to his brothers and sisters, and that that he talked to them, no matter what spiritual level they were at, he made sure that he covered everybody in this warning. He said fathers, he said brothers, he said little children. And so he was covering no matter where you are in your spiritual walk, this is what you have to be aware of is other people trying to lead you astray and lead you from the truth. Wow, that's, that's actually an amazing segue. What are your thoughts about the fear of wrong beliefs? And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is every time you get in a group of church people and religious leaders and you say, I'm going to teach people to read the Bible for themselves and think for themselves, the first objection people have is, well, they're going to go off and they're going to start praying to a head of lettuce or something like that. And they like get all these wrong beliefs and you can see the fear there and the caution that, you know, you don't want to just tell people believe whatever you want to believe. Right. Um, But how would you say, how would you address that fear that people have of, well, if you just let people think for themselves, they're going to believe all the wrong things. (laughs) 
Well, the way that we're doing this Bible study, it's really an intellectual way to do it, I guess. And so it's not based on feelings or even this is what I think it says. It's like, okay, what does this word mean? And, you know, looking up the meaning of it. And then once you know the meaning, it's hard to make the make the sentence or the verse say what you want it to believe, what you want to believe. It's what it actually says. We're kind of all on the same page. All of us in the class, I think there are about 15 to 20 of us that, that do are, are studying the Bible this way. And once we do it on our own throughout the week and look through, look at the things, we don't even have any disagreements because we've prayed and asked God to show us, you know, to, to be with us as we read and study. And then when we look up the words, you know, you look up a word and that's what it means. It's not like, this is what I think it means. It's what the, you know, what the original, if you look up the definition in the original Greek, or if you look it up in an English dictionary, um, you can really find out exactly what a, what a verse says and what, you know, there's no, not like an interpretation you have to do when you study this way. So have you, that's another question I'm just throwing in there. I just thought of, but have you, had any challenges to your own theology? Like I always believed this, but then I read the Bible this way. And now I, I'm challenged to maybe even just tweak what you already thought Mm -hmm. or something. I think probably that we've, this is the fourth um, book of scripture that we've done this way. And I think what I have learned because we've done, this is, I guess this is the fifth. Um, we've done two New Testament books before this, so that that's after Jesus' time. And then we've done two um, Old Testament books, which were before Jesus' time. And what it really has opened my eyes to is that it is all one story. Um, it's not like, you know, we think even the, like the Gideons give out New Testaments most of the time, you know, and, and we usually, for if someone's a new believer, we start them in the New Testament. But really, when you go back all the way to Genesis, which we did a, did a um, Bible study on the first three books of Genesis this way, when you go all the way back, you can really see that God is the same from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. And so I think I knew that, but... I really understood it more and how everything relates and how it's not, you know, it's not just like this is a story. It's like a historical um, reading, you know, that you're reading from the beginning of time all the way to now. It all, it relates the whole time because God's the same. So Christians love to say that Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. Mm -hmm. But I would say that Christianity is a religion that can lead us to a relationship, but there's definitely elements of religion in there. So how do you think reading the Bible the way that you're talking about helps you with the relationship part of Christianity? Well, um, the way that we do it, I... I'm not saying that other ways are bad. I'm saying that just the way we do it is so different and so um, personal that that's where the relationship comes in, is that it's really a personal way to do it because you take time each day and you're like reading a passage and you're really thinking about God at that time. 
You're not, if you think about it this way, instead of what is this, how is this about me? Because the way we do it is really focused on God and the relationship with God and not like what rules am I looking at or anything like that, but it's how much does God love me that he would leave me this letter, this book? Yeah, that's what I think is the most awesome thing is just every time you read the Bible, seeing how messed up humanity is Mm -hmm. and God still wants to be in our mouth. (laughs) That's what I say. Yes. Like God wants to be in this with us. Yes. And that's what, it's just crazy and amazing. So what advice would you give to someone who's picking up a Bible for the very first time or more likely for millennials, which I have for my audience (laughs) or whatever the next generation is? Um, What advice would you give to them if they're opening a Bible app for the first time or reading a Bible for the very first time? Well, that is definitely a hard one. Um, What I usually like to start with is a couple of things. I would I tell them to read the first part of Genesis, Genesis 1 through 3. And that is something that is kind of foundational, that God actually created the the world and he created us in his image. I think that's important to know what before you can understand any other part of the Bible is that you are created in the image of God, that he loves you and created you to be with him in a relationship. And so if you read those first part, the first three books, it really talks about that and that he loved us from the beginning. And even the first man and woman who had everything perfect, every there was no pain, there was no toil, there was no trouble in the in the you know garden where, where they were, yet they still questioned God and turned and made and made their own decisions. And then he cared for them enough to clothe them and to protect them still, even though they had messed up. And so that's why I think those three books are important. I mean, those three chapters in Genesis are important to start with. And then I encourage people to, um, to go to the book of John in the New Testament, because that really shows how Jesus came to complete that forgiveness and that protection. And, um, and as Genesis starts in the beginning, John, the book of John starts in the beginning. And so those two really just tie together well to me to, to read those. So I want to touch on something that I think that brings up is the way we understand the Old Testament about the difference in reading it for the character of God versus the character of the people. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to have a messed up theology if you look at all the things that people in the Old Testament did and think yes. they're examples for like what it, what we should all be doing. Like There's a lot of messed up stuff in there. There is. But what is <laughs> awesome is when you realize it's God's love for humanity that he just kept persisting on trying to have a relationship with us even though humans just kept screwing up his plan (laughs) over and over, because that's really the story of the Old Testament is Mm -hmm. how, you know, he correct and then they just go run off and mess up again. Right. It really is. And, And knowing that about God helps us because every day I 
get up and I think, I'm going to be good today. I'm going to be perfect today. You know, I'm going to start off my time in prayer. And if anybody <laughs> is close to it, it's Christy. No. <laughs> this lady's got it together. <laughs> Nobody oh. looks at me and is like, well, she's got it together. <laughs> no, but it's it's not very long before I realize how selfish I am in during the day, you know? I mean, even that time before I even put my foot on the floor in the morning, I'm like, I'm going to start off this day with God. I'm going to pray. And I start thinking about other things that it's going to, that's going to go on throughout the day. And I lose my focus on God just that quickly. And since God created us for a relationship with him, that's like if I was talking to you right now, Cindy, and you were trying to tell me a story and I thought, oh, I need to go check my phone. And I just got up while you're talking to me or while I'm talking to you and quit in, in mid sentence and started doing something else. Oh, I'm sorry. I do that all the time. <laughs> no, that's, I'm multi-focused. That's, how, that's right. That's how messed up we are Yeah, is that we can't even keep it together for two seconds, really, without yeah. focusing on ourselves. Yeah. And yet. God loves us anyway and continues to pursue us and continues to teach us. And when we just, you know, tell him, you know, I messed up. He's right. He's he forgives us over and over and over. His love is limitless. And it doesn't matter if it's what we perceive as a little sin or if it's a big sin. You know, something I would say that people think is a big sin would be, you know, like adultery or, you know, things like that. In our society, we would say those were bigger sins than um, saying, you know, I really should go talk to my neighbor right now, but I want to watch this TV show, right? One of those sins we would perceive as bigger than the other. Yeah. Yet it's all the same to God because it's a barrier in our relationship with him. And so I think that's, that's what we learn when we really study the Bible is that there is no one perfect. God is the only one who is perfect and holy, and yet he loves us anyway and desires for us to be in a relationship with him. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so, I, I always say that like people will talk about, you know, how do you believe in the virgin birth or something like that? And I'm like, well, you want to know, that's not the craziest thing I believe. <laughs> the craziest thing I believe is that there's a God that created all of this yes. and he loves me. And yes. he wants to walk through this life with me. So if you can get past that, all the other stuff is just gravy. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's good gravy. <laughs> Gravy's <Gravy's> amazing. <laughs> so, okay. That was my next question. So if you could get all the millennials and what's the next generation, Gen Zs. And yes. <laughs> if you could get all of them to read the Bible this way. How would you say that would impact American church culture? I think it would be a great impact because it would be personal. You know, it's not like you're just listening to someone else read the Bible to you. Like if you go to a church and there's a pastor. I mean, I think that's good for for teaching a large group at one time and for getting you to think, but if you only go that far as to listening to someone else and never really make it personal and say, this is for me. This isn't just for me to hear what someone else says about God. God wants me to spend time with him and to know him personally. 
I think that is really important for all generations because that's what we really want is a personal relationship with someone and a genuine relationship with someone. And if you're just taking it, taking the viewpoint of someone else and not really spending time with someone, then you can't really know them. Um, something that, that my friend Robin says is you can't love what you don't know. Yeah. We talk about all the time that people that are running away from the church are a lot of times they're running away from things that they should be rejecting. Yes. And we, my family talks a lot about people that if they knew Jesus, they would love him. They just don't love what they saw at church. Right. And, and that's what I think the answer is, is if people could read for themselves and be like, wow, this Jesus, like, you know, hung out with prostitutes and made Absolutely. them so valued. Like, yes. that's a different person than we see. Because they were valued. Yeah. You know? And so I love, I when I read the stories about Jesus, I'm like, I want people to know this guy. This is amazing. He's so right. He's so awesome and how much he accepted us. And I, I think they would find that if they read it for themselves. Yes. With some context, <laughs> if they read it like an English teacher. And he, he's not like what, how we perceive preachers or um, Bible teachers today. What Jesus did was he went to the people. And then they began to follow him to hear more because he was um, just so intelligent for one thing, but so personable in another way, you know, that he, he went and people really were interested in what he had to say because they could see the compassion that he had for people, that it wasn't just like, I'm going to tell you the right way and this is how you need to do things. It was he was living it and he was saying, I want you to know what love is. And I'm going to show you by my example, by my sacrifice that I make for you. Um, and, and so he was so different than us because his focus was on showing us how much God loves us and being that example of a child of God, of going through, you know, horrible things. He was not looked upon well by a lot of religious leaders and other people of the day and, and, you know, political leaders, all of that. They persecuted him. They told him that he was not living how God would want him to live even, and they really didn't know God. And I think that's what happens in a lot of our churches today is that that we become, we think we know everything and we try to tell people, no, you have to do it my way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that runs people off. Instead of leading them to Jesus, we're leading them away. And Jesus never did that. He never said, you have to do it my way or else it's over. He just tried to make people realize that themselves what the right way was and how that was better than how they had been living. So I wanted to end on a very hopeful and encouraging note for younger people today because 
they have seen so much of the bad about church. Mm -hmm. And especially like living in New England, there's so much church abuse that has happened and been covered up for so long. And now it's all out there exposed. And there's good reasons that people are not wanting to be a part of that because I frankly don't think we're handling it well. And that there's no excuse for covering up abuse by anybody. And, and, I think there's very valid reasons for being incredibly angry about that. And I don't know how to separate that from the relationship with Jesus and people's minds, but it is Mm -hmm. so incredibly different. Like Jesus would clearly have condemned that. So I want to end on talking to young people about how I think they can shape the culture if they read the Bible this way for themselves and go out to complete the mission that Jesus actually gave us. So I may have said too much about that in my introduction of the final point, but I'd I'd like you to just speak to that and see, talk about how what you're doing goes along with that. Well, as you study the Bible and really do it in a way where you're saying, I want to know you, God. Then it's not about the world and it's not about anyone else's perception of anything, but it's about just that one-on-one between you and God. And we do need, I mean, God created us for a relationship with him and with others. So we do need that fellowship with others to have that accountability because If I'm not in a Bible study where I'm meeting with the people who have been studying the same thing as me throughout the week, then I'm less likely to go as far. So to to have that encouragement and that accountability is also important. But the main thing is to, to know God so that we can love him. And when you really take time in his word one on one, as if you were talking to a good friend, because he is our friend. If you were talking to, um, you know, a family member who you love and who you want to spend time with, or even if you're talking to someone who you respect, then if you take it with that, in that concept, with that concept of this is personal, instead of I'm doing this even as a checklist, even though it kind of looks like that when you're studying the Bible this way. But if you look at it as, as this is very personal, then it changes you because you are in the presence of God who created you and knows you better than you know yourself. And that leads you to understanding, would you say that leads you to understanding that life is messy, but God is good? <laughs> That's my tagline. I hope you think that's a good thing to say. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Because as you look at this, as you look at God's word, you see how easy it is to mess up and how God continues to bring you back, that he continues to reach his hand out to you, no matter what kind of mess you're in, what kind of pit you've dug for yourself. He reaches his hand out to you, and you see that over and over again if you read God's Word, the Bible. Even like this this verse in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, 
and we ought to lay down our lives for our, for our brothers. You know, it's it's that that he was willing to lay down his life for us. And when we really look into his word, we see that he did that for Cindy. He did that for Christy. He did that for each individual. It wasn't just like he was saying, I'm going to do this one time and it's just for these people who are around me now. It was for all eternity that he was willing to do that for us. And when you really get into God's word, you see how messy God's people are, yeah. how messy the world is. And I mean, I could really go on and on about as we started reading First John, how we looked at it and we're like, that's the world we live in today. Yeah. So it was not just written for, you know, 65 years after Christ's death and resurrection. It was written for us today. And it relates to us today because we're just as messed up. Um, yeah. And I think, I think when you realize that, it's impossible to walk around being arrogant and yes. looking down on people. <laughs> and... And that's what a lot of people are rejecting is that arrogance. Yes. And I, I don't even, I always say this, I don't know how you can know Jesus and claim to be his follower and be, be arrogant. It's like, you know, being in the NRA in the name of Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> like it just does, does not go together. together. <laughs> You're right. Because we, um, we're not perfect. I don't know anybody who's perfect. And I know that I am not perfect and but she seems like it <laughs> by the world by the world standards i'm hey by the world standards i may look perfect but you know who is perfect god is perfect jesus showed that no matter how much he was tortured no matter how much he went through he never lost his focus on god's plan and on god's will and i mean that's perfection is when you can live and not reject the world around you, not to not reject God, but to have that much love is just overwhelming. And I know every day I don't have that much love. <laughs> and so there's so much that I can learn. And it's, it's just, and it really is an incredible love story, the whole Bible. And when you look at it that way and look at it as, this is written so that I could really know God who created the whole universe and created me. And he, you know, it's just, it's just, I can't even put it into words how much that means. Yeah. So there you have it. Christy Treadwell confirmed that life is indeed messy. God is good. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you feel like another shot of rum and cola for your soul, check out rumandcola for the soul.com.